Uh, what an honor it is to get to teach tonight. Uh, some of you know me well enough to know this. Uh, others of you don't. There is nothing else I love more than opening up the Word of God and teaching it. I don't care if it's in the morning by myself or uh, in a living room with four or five other people or uh, in, in a church with thousands of people. I love to teach the Word of God as much as I love to sing, as much as I love to worship. Nothing compares to teaching the Word of God for me. And I really feel very freed tonight uh, from the expectation that I have to entertain you, okay? Uh, I didn't come to entertain you. I think most of you are far beyond church entertainment. Um, and sadly, the world, not that this is good, but the world does a much better job at entertaining people than we do. And so, uh, really, the only thing I feel bound to do tonight is to bring you the truth of God's Word and, and as accurately as God showed it to me, I want to show it to you. There are some times, uh, and David and I talked about this, I almost brought a message tonight um, called There's a Cloud, okay? And uh, it was going to be a continuation of the Holy Spirit series, uh, the little mini-series that, that uh, has been going on here. I'm setting the timer because I know myself. And... Um, uh, I almost brought that message. I'm going to bring that message at some point to some crowd, some group somewhere. Um, but there are some times when, when somebody gives me a topic, like David comes to me and says, Holy Spirit, teach on that. Okay. And then there are other moments where I get alone with God in the morning and God gives me a message for me. Do you know what I'm saying? Those are two very different messages usually. Um, and tonight, I want to bring you a message that God gave to me for me. And after uh, some years now, I want to bring it to you for you. And so my hope is just to create, in really the next few minutes here, um, out of Acts 28. We're going to be in Acts 28 tonight. I'm going to read it to you, but you're welcome to look along. A narrative that really stuck out to me. There are moments when I read the Bible and something jumps out so vivid that I'm like, Vic, I'm like, I can't let go of that. That's a word. And uh, this was one of those passages, and I got caught up uh, in a particular verse that I think is going to stick out to you. Acts 28, uh, we're going to start in verse 1. In uh, Acts 28, verse 1, I want to set up to you what I'm going to talk about tonight, and uh, then, then we're going to read the passage. I think it's going to make more sense. Uh, tonight, I've entitled this message, Almost Where You Want to Be. Almost Where You Want to Be. And uh, I, I entitled it that because I want to take you to a moment in Paul's life that's been going on for chapters now in Scripture. Paul had the genuine desire to go to Rome. He had a, a, a passion, a heartbeat, a fire in him to go to Rome, and he does not make it there for a long time. And I'm going to take you to what I think is the biggest turn in that story. Now, never mind he gets beaten and left for dead. Never mind he gets arrested, released, arrested again. Never mind all that. He ends up in multiple places because Scripture will say in the book of Acts, the Spirit wouldn't allow him to go there, so he sent him there. And uh, then we end up in this passage in Acts 28. Now, let me set the scene for you. He gets arrested and thinks, if I appeal to the government, they'll take me to Rome. Mind you, Rome's where he wants to be. And it works. He appeals as a Roman citizen, and they put him on a ship to go 
state his case in Rome. On the way there, a storm comes, and they end up completely shipwrecked, and literally, you can go back and read this, uh, they ride pieces of the ship, all this uh, driftwood, to shore. And that's where we pick up what's going to happen. There is, right before this, there is this mindset of, let's kill all the prisoners, and God has sovereignly placed another man there to save Paul's life, by the way, that's what scripture specifically says, and says, uh, no, 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 let's not kill them. And now they're shipwrecked on an island, and we're going to see what Paul's immediate reaction is. The reason I'm teaching this tonight is because in my estimation, the biggest struggle of my Christian life has been expectations that were never met. I don't know about you, but I, I still remember the night I was saved, and one of the biggest disappointments of my life was two or three days later when I woke up and realized my desire for sin wasn't gone. Oh, no. Expectation crushed. I thought I was going to have one of those awesome testimonies where it was like, I'm, I got saved and I never did anything bad ever again. You know, we glorify those testimonies, but that's not how most people in the Christian life uh, experience it. So nothing wrong with that. Uh, I really pray God gives you some of those kind of freeing testimonies. But I really think one of the biggest uh, disappointments of the Christian life is expectations that are never met. And uh, I could take that and teach on victory from sin. I'm not going to do that tonight. Uh, Tonight I want to teach on seasons that never come. Or maybe I should say uh, situations and scenarios that God just won't let you out of. And so I've entitled it almost where you want to be. I spend a lot of time now as a pastor talking to people who are almost where they want to be. I'm talking about students who are just ready to get their degree. Uh, College students who are ready to get into their career. Uh, Single people, young adults in their career who are just ready to be married. Married people who wish they were still single. None of you will ever experience that. I talked to one of those husbands this week. That's, that's real. All the single people are in my office begging to be married. The married people are sick of being married. Uh, I'm talking about couples who just want to have a child. And parents who can't wait till they get out of the house. Uh, parents who are finally empty nesters who can't wait on their kids to come back home and then their kids move off somewhere else and start taking their grandkids to other states. I, I spend most of the time sitting in the office talking to people who are just almost where they want to be. And it seems like we can never quite get there. It seems like there's a continual holding pattern that God has his people in that they just can't, they can't push through this season to get to where they want to go. And then the very season they were praying for a few months ago, they get into and figure out it wasn't what they actually wanted. Almost where I want to be. Acts 28, let's look at it together. Once we were safe on shore, Mind you, they just rode the the driftwood to the shore. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy. Wow, that's great. So they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. Finally, some good news. Verse 3. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake. Just pay attention to the fact that it was poisonous. This is the verse that got me right here. A poisonous snake. Driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. Verse 4, 
Here comes the encouragers. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. Verse 5. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. That verse is going to free somebody tonight. Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. Verse 6. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Verse 7, near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius. Does anybody else read the, word, the, the names in the Bible and think, God, please do not choose these for your children. We're not going to know how to spell them when they get in school. We're not going to know how to say them. It's going to be awkward for everyone. So that guy, who was the chief official of the island, he welcomed us, treated us kindly for three days. Nice guy. Verse 8, as it happened, his father was ill with fever and dysentery. And Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying hands on him, he healed him. Verse 9, then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. I'm going to let the Baptist just have fun with that one. Verse 10, as a result, we were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. How do you live through these seasons? How do you live through these scenarios when you're almost where you want to be? I'm going to give you three thoughts tonight. Three very simple thoughts that I think are right here in the passage. Number one, shake off discouragement. Shake off discouragement. Now, the reason I came to this passage and the reason that I really just got stuck on it. By the way, some of you have read through the book of Acts multiple times in your life and you never stop to dwell on this verse. A poisonous snake comes out of the fire, latches onto his hand, and Paul, verse 5, shook off the snake and was unharmed. Uh, the, the reason I stopped on this passage and the reason I started dwelling on it was because of that verse. And I really believe that most Christians will spend the entirety of their life hung up on discouragement that every one of us has the power tonight to shake off. I'm talking the disappointments and discouragements right now in your mind and heart can simply be shaken off. Come on, I feel the spirit of Taylor Swift. You know what I'm saying? Shake it off. But, but listen, the, the reality is the discouragements in your life right now you could let go of if you wanted to. There is a reality that we get hung up on the discouragements of life and allow them to destroy us. Now, I, wanna, I, wanna, I just want to say, uh, parenthetically, because this passage says it in verse 3. It was a poisonous snake. What do poisonous snakes do to you? They hurt you. They make you sick. At very least, they kill you. And I'm going to guess, okay? I, I don't want to overassume on Scripture, but I'm going to guess that because the people on the island, the original islanders, assumed he was going to die, then the poison should have killed him. And Paul, full of faith, empowered by the Spirit of God, shakes off the snake and is unharmed. Not just sick, unharmed. Not just ill, unharmed. Definitely not dead, unharmed. And I would submit to you that circumstances and situations have a way of continually binding us and destroying our effectiveness for the kingdom of God because we think they have power over us. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not going to stay here for long, so I need you to really uh, capture what is right here. Whatever situation, trial, discouragement in your life that currently has you down, you are allowing, come on somebody, you are allowing to keep you down. And as long as you let it discourage you, as long as you let it have power over you, it will hold you down and ineffective for the kingdom of God. Now, I'm talking about somebody who's just disappointed with what's happened to them in life. Uh, somebody who's just disappointed with the trial and the circumstance that they're facing. And, and, and I want to be very clear. I don't mean to discredit what's causing frustration and doubt and depression and sickness in your life. I don't mean to discredit the trial that you're going through. I mean to elevate your understanding of the victory that you have in your life. I mean, you are going to spend the rest of your life being ineffective with no purpose and with no hope and with no calling, with no effectiveness for the kingdom of God as, as a child of God, because you don't realize that right now you can walk out of here without any of that discouragement in your life. You have power over that. I, I just think you're dwelling on the wrong thing in this season. I think you're dwelling on the wrong facts. When you've already won, the facts don't matter. I, I just think you're allowing uh, depression to destroy your life. You say, Daniel, you think what I'm going through isn't real? No, I think it is real. I just think you're a child of God. And a child of God has so much greater power over that. Don't you realize you were meant to be above and not beneath? Ahead and not behind? Don't you realize that you're more than a conqueror through him who loves you? That there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? And you will continually live under your circumstances. You will continually, continually live under under discouragement and depression until you learn to shake it off. Did you know the very thing that's killing you right now has no ability to kill you if you'll shake it off? You say, but that, that snake is poisonous, Daniel. They always are. I've never had one person sit in my office for counseling or one friend sit across the table from me and talk about what they're struggling with and it hasn't been a legitimate concern or a struggle. I just think you're greater than that. I just think you have access that you don't realize. Uh, one of my favorite stories is about a man who was begging outside of the White House decades and decades ago. He was standing at the fence begging to be let into the White House. And uh, nobody would let him in. And day after day, he sat there begging and nobody would let him in. And a little boy walked by him one day and took him by the hand and walked past the guards through the fence, and walked into the White House, and walked into the Oval Office, and he said, Dad, this guy wants to talk to you. That, that little boy happened to be the son of the President of the United States. And immediately, that man got an uninterrupted meeting face-to-face -face with the President, because the son has all the access. And a lot of you claim to believe in Jesus Christ. And yet day after day, week after week, month after month, you stand outside the fence begging to get in the fence. Well, he already has access. If you realize what you had in Jesus Christ, your perspective of your scenario would change. 
your ability to wake up tomorrow morning and overcome would change. Because you would realize that he has all access to the Father. And because he has all access to the Father, so do you. That's why you can be called a child of God. That's why you can be a co-heir, a brother, a sister with Christ. Because you don't realize what kind of access you have. And so you're going to lay down and be discouraged and be frustrated and be depressed and be overcome. And you're going to die in your misery like I see so many people who claim to be children of God because they do not understand all they have to do is get up and shake it off. I think there needs to be a perspective shift. I think about verses like Philippians 4. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything praiseworthy, you better think on these things. And yet I spend most of my day with people who bring out all the opposites of those things. You ask people how their days go and see how they respond. And you would never know that we believe in Jesus by the way that we live our daily lives and by what we focus on. And I'm talking there is encouragement in Christ, but we aren't dwelling on the right things. And because we don't spend time in the word of God, we wouldn't even know what to dwell on. That's why when somebody asks us how we're doing or how our day's going, we would call everything we hate about 2020 and COVID. Come on, I am preaching somebody. If you knew how to spend time in the word of God, then when somebody asks you how you're doing, your response might change. You might sound like a victorious believer in Jesus. And I spend all my day, all those people who, who can tend to be, come on, Kendall, all those people who can tend to be d depressing and, and down, and they all work here. I spend all my day with church staff. And, and church, church leaders don't know how to stand on the word of God and get over discouragement. So we got to figure out how to walk in the word and be able to dwell on what's good. Let me give you another verse. Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. <laughs> As a man thinks in his heart, so, so is he. If you'd wake up tomorrow thinking you're victorious, you would be. Thinking you're full of joy, you would be. Thinking you're an overcomer, you would be. Thinking you're a child of God, you would be. But because you think... You're lonely, you're depressed, you're tired, you're frustrated, you're scared. You are those things. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm going to give you two other points. They're going to be much quicker. Number one, shake off discouragement. Number two, I love this one, work while you wait. Work while you wait. I think about verse 7 through 9. Uh, I'm going to look specifically at, at verse 8. Um, Paul went in and prayed for him, laying hands on him and healed him. That's, that's the father who was ill uh, from the leader. Then verse 9, all the sick people on the island came and were healed. Now, I haven't spent much time on this yet, but I'm telling you, all he wants to do is get to Rome. Now he's shipwrecked on an island. What does he do? He starts healing people in the name of Jesus. And I really believe that there is an activity that God has called you to while you're waiting. I don't always know what it looks like. But I know biblically what you could be doing. And, and while you're waiting on your next season, while you're waiting on where you want to be, work while you wait. Do you know always, every single time in Scripture, when it talks about waiting in the Lord or waiting in God, it's always active and intentional. And so while you're waiting on where you want to be, just start serving Jesus. While you're getting where you want to go, just start doing already what he's called you to do. 
Uh, I, I think about uh, even men who knew what was coming but just weren't there yet. I think about David, who was anointed king and then sent into the field for another 20 years to, to take care of sheep. Don't you know in one of those years or all of those years, he is sitting there like, that palace is mine. God, you told me that throne was mine. Then he gets invited into the palace that's rightfully his, and he starts playing as a uh, musician for the king. And don't you know he sat on the opposite side of the throne and thought, that seat's mine. And yet it wasn't time yet. And God's timing is so perfect that if you will just be faithful in serving and working where you're at, he will see to it that you get to where you're going. Uh, I, I think about Joseph, who had a vision that was right, causes his brothers to sell him into slavery. He gets wrongfully accused and ends up in prison, and yet at every stop, he just keeps serving God and keeps trusting God. Uh, I think about another man, a little opposite example, Moses, who was called to free and vindicate his people. And yet he sees his people suffering one day and he kills a man. Because doing what God's called you to do in the wrong way at the wrong time is actually failing to do what God's called you to do. There was an active season that Moses was in that God was preparing him to vindicate his people. But because he took it into his own hands, because he did it the wrong way, he was unable to accomplish what God wanted him to do in that season. And so while you're waiting, just be faithful to work. Work in your waiting. Number one, shake off discouragement. Number two, work while you're waiting. Number three, this is my favorite one, just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Uh, maybe, maybe what I'm really saying is just don't stop growing. Uh, I love that this passage ends with yet another group of people that give them what they need and send them on their way. And I actually believe, I'm ending on this point, I actually believe that God himself had put the desire in Paul's heart to be in Rome and did not allow him to immediately go. God himself had given him that desire. I see you. You want to be a preacher. I see you. You want to be married. I see you. You want to be a lawyer. I see you. You want to be a doctor. Okay? And God has given you all these desires. You want to be a parent. You're going to be. You're going to be. Because those desires have been placed there by God. But he has a better way of bringing about his plan. Uh, it's a way that you would have never written and a way that you and I would have never walked in. Uh, what I mean to say right here is don't stop, stop um, believing and pressing into the desire that God's placed in your heart, even if he hasn't met that desire yet. I'm going to end with this thought. Paul wants to be in Rome, and he cannot get to Rome. And finally, he's almost there, and all this takes place. And if God had not done it this way, we would never have had the letters that we have in Scripture from Paul. See, you think that your detour is unintentional because you just can't see what God is doing in this season. You think that COVID came to ruin your plans, and yet God sovereignly sent it to bring about his plan for your life. 
You think you got fired for no job, uh, I mean, for no reason and no purpose. You think you got dumped and that person's in the wrong. Maybe they are. You think that, that um, you got pushed out or overlooked for that promotion. And yet God is bringing about his plan in his way like only he can do. And God is going to give us the majority of the New Testament just simply because he will not allow Paul to simply go to where he's put in his heart to go. And I'm talking to believers who have such a strong, deep yearning. And you think, God put this here. Why won't God fulfill it? Listen to me. Because God's doing something so great that if he told you, you wouldn't be able to receive it. Because God is working a plan so wonderful that if you had the chance to write your story, you would never put this chapter in it. And what you got to realize is you just got to keep moving forward and keep growing in him. The will of God is not a place. The will of God is a person. And what I mean by that is the will of God is not where you're going or what you'll be doing. It's who you're becoming. And God has you here right now where you are so that he can make you into what he wants you to be. In fact, I would go further. If he would have got to where he was going, in the timing that he wanted, he would not have been everything that God intended for him to be. This is the will of God for you, your sanctification. This is the will of God for you, that you would rejoice always and pray without ceasing. See, the will of God for you is who you're becoming, not where you're going or what you'll be doing. And so I believe that right now in this season, the real miracle that's taking place is you. The real miracle that's taking place is what God's doing in your heart. And I think, this is my last statement, that your incorrect response to the season that you're in is actually... The example that shows you that you're not who you're supposed to be. I'm going to say that one more time. Your incorrect response to the season that you're in is God trying to show you that you're not yet who you're supposed to be. And that's why you're here. That's why you're waiting. That's why there's a desire in your heart that's not met yet. That's why God has you just almost where you want to be. So what will you do with now? That's it. That's the whole message. What will you do with now? I really believe that if you would just shake off discouragement, I, I really believe that you would, if you would just work while you're waiting, if you would just keep moving and keep growing in him, that you would experience everything that God has for you. You can leave tonight. I start off out by saying I, I hate playing church. <laughs> you can leave tonight unchanged if you want to. Or you can leave tonight empowered if you want to. Almost where you want to be can be exactly where God has you. And if you know he has you there and you realize he's working, it's the perfect place to be. Let's pray together.
God, the best I know how, I've just so simply tried to, to delve into this moment of Paul's life and try to, try to bring us truth from the scripture that could really encourage us in you. But God, I know even right now, all over this room, there are hearts and minds who are so frustrated and so disappointed and so discouraged, and life just hasn't turned out like they wanted it. And yet I believe that you're doing something so great even now in this moment. And so, God, I pray that right now you would speak in their minds and hearts what only you can. And you would empower them to leave here changed. Before I say amen, I just want you to get in your mind and heart what you're frustrated about, what you're disappointed in, what you're scared about. Will you just get that in your, your mind, your heart? Would you just release that to the Lord? Just, just confess to God, I know you have me here for a reason. I, I know you're just giving me this season because I need this season. God, we might be discouraged, we might be frustrated. We might be depressed, we might be confused. But God, in the name of Jesus, we're not overcome. We are more than conquerors. We're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So I pray tonight that we would leave victorious. I pray tonight that you would give us perspective. Most of all, I pray tonight that we'd wake up tomorrow morning with the presence of mind to get in your word, to connect with your spirit, and to be changed. Do what only you can do. Take this word and bring it to life in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen.